Welcome. Hey, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 98 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is a quick dive into recent OFAC enforcement actions. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Before we get started, two points. First, please subscribe to our podcast and rate the podcast to help let other compliance professionals know about the content. Second, I wanted to mention that my law firm, the Volkoff Law Group, provides assistance and counseling on compliance with Department of Treasury's OFAC regulations and sanctions programs, Department of Commerce's Export Administration regulations, and the State Department's ITAR uh, regulations. We're very familiar with existing sanctions programs involving Iran, Cuba, Russia, Venezuela, and other countries. If interested in our trade compliance services, please contact me at mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Well, maybe I am spending too much time on OFAC or maybe not enough, but there's a lot going on, uh, particularly not just with uh, the issuance of the OFAC framework for compliance uh, programs in the sanctions area, but enforcement. There's been a lot of enforcement this year uh, in stark contrast to last year, also going after different companies than global banks, uh, which to me raises the risk that uh, OFAC is carrying out what it said it's going to do, which is to bring more enforcement actions against manufacturing, uh, service companies, and other uh, companies involved in international transactions. So um, I thought I'd catch up with some of the most recent enforcement actions. And OFAC clearly is sending a message about sanctions enforcement and compliance uh, responsibilities. And uh, obviously, they're seeking out new targets for enforcement. And they continue to focus on Iran, Cuba, Venezuela, and North Korea, and clearly aligning itself with current foreign policy objectives of the administration. So let's go through some of the uh, recent enforcement actions. First, uh, the Western Union case which was on June 7, 2019, OFAC released a settlement with Western Union under which uh, Western Union agreed to pay $401,697 to settle potential liability for 4,977 transactions uh, with a, a global company that, uh, or with an entity that was designated under the Global Terrorism Sanctions Regulations. Um, interestingly, Western Union voluntarily disclosed the conduct. Between December 9, 2010 and March 13, 2015, a bank in the Gambia uh, was an agent for Western Union, and the bank itself established a sub-agent relationship with Kariba Shopping Center, KSC, an entity that was designated by OFAC as connected to global terrorist, uh, terrorism, Uh, in December of 2010. So Western Union stored information about the agent as an agent location of the bank, but not as a discrete legal entity, in other words, as a sub-agent. So the Western Union screening process did not include locations for specific banks, and therefore Western uh, Union never identified the sub-agent for separate screening purposes. In other words, they didn't have a way to capture an entity that was a sub-agent of uh, an existing uh, agent location. So in March 2015, Western Union first learned that KSC was a sub-agent with an active location and then immediately suspended its relationship with KSC. 
They processed almost 5,000 transactions with a total value of $1.275 million involving KSC. The resolution here was a good resolution given uh, 5,000 transactions, uh, and Western Union uh, only ended up paying $401,000 uh, as a civil penalty, like I mentioned. Again, it's not the money, it's the reputational damage that Western Union, again, is on the radar screen of enforcement agencies. They've had their share of issues with regard to sanctions and money laundering in the state of Arizona even going after them. The next case, it was uh, Hotel Beds USA. Uh, on June 13th, 2019, OFAC announced a settlement with Hotel Beds USA, a Florida-based company that is a subsidiary of Hotel Beds headquartered in Mallorca, Spain, uh, in which uh, in this, under the settlement, Hotel Beds USA agreed to pay $222,705 for assisting 703 persons with Cuba travel services in violation of the Cuba sanctions program. Obviously, this has been a focus of relaxation of regulations in terms of travel to Cuba under the Obama administration, which have since been reversed and even tightened up under the Trump administration. So hotel bids between December 2011 and June 2014 sold hotel accommodations and instructed its clients to direct payments to an account in Spain. Hotel Beds USA employees and supervisors were under the mistaken belief that they could engage in Cuba-related transactions so long as the bookings involved non-U.S. clients and payments were made to non-U.S. bank accounts, and that turned out to be wrong. During this period, uh, uh, Hotel Beds USA personnel, including a senior manager, however, were aware that a U.S. bank had blocked a payment related to a Cuba travel transaction and that OFAC denied a specific license application seeking the unblocking of funds related to that unauthorized Cuba travel transaction. So clearly Hotel Beds USA was on notice that its activities were not permissible under current OFAC regulations. So Hotel Beds USA did not voluntarily disclose the conduct uh, to OFAC. Also, OFAC noted that hotel beds did not have a formal compliance program. The point here with regard to this is that, um, that hotel beds, even though they're, and a lot of times we get questions about this, uh, even though there are activities that are being uh, occurring outside the United States, if they are in any way connected to USA activities, services, uh, then they're oftentimes OFAC has jurisdiction over the transaction itself. This was actually an area that was highlighted as one of the common mistakes that OFAC noted in its uh, sanctions framework guidance uh, that was issued in uh, the beginning of May. So this case is just another example of a mistaken belief somehow that they did not have OFAC jurisdiction or were not subject to OFAC jurisdiction. But the problem was we had a situation here where there was evidence that within the company there was contrary understanding as well. The next case we is Cubosphere uh, and an individual were prosecuted. And this also, the, the addition of the individual being prosecuted reflects OFAC's warning that they intend to go after individuals in civil enforcement actions. And here we see the first example of that 
uh, after May uh, in terms of a civil enforcement action. Oftentimes we've seen individuals criminally prosecuted, but here is a case, Cubosphere, where we see an individual civilly prosecuted. So on June 13, 2019, OFAC announced the settlement with Cubosphere, which is a very small company, and an individual who acted on behalf of Cubosphere, and they agreed to pay $40,320 for violations uh, of the uh, Cuba uh, sanctions program. From December 2013 to February 2014, Cubosphere and the individual organized four separate tours of Cuba to a total of 104 persons, including receipt of direct payments from groups and individuals for Cuba travel-related transactions, and they handled itinerary planning for air travel, hotels, meals, and transportation within Cuba. Cubosphere and the individual procured visas and cover letters for travelers from U.S. religious organizations, and they were using that rationale or that permissible uh, travel uh, exemption for U.S. religious organizations for religious purposes. However, the itineraries from the religious organizations did not coincide with the actual itineraries, which focused primarily on sightseeing and tourism rather than humanitarian or religious activities, which have to be the primary purpose of the trip. Through correspondence with OFAC, uh, Cubosphere and the individual had prior notice that their conduct violated the Cuba sanctions program, and yet they continued with the conduct for more than a year. In fact, Cubosphere and the individual took steps to urge clients to conceal their travel to and their activities within Cuba. They suggested in writing to the customers that they should minimize interactions with government officials when they returned, discard receipts or schedules from their trip, and give false statements if asked about their activities in Cuba. Cubosphere and the individual did not voluntarily disclose the conduct. It's interesting to, uh, to wonder how uh, OFAC, in fact, did find out about all of this uh, since there was not a voluntary disclosure. But it must have been based upon the prior correspondence and maybe checking up on the, on the activities of Cubosphere. In any, in any event, that was another $40,320 for OFAC for yet another sanctions violation. The last case I wanted to talk about was uh, Expedia Group. And on June 13, 2019, OFAC announced a settlement with Expedia Group for violations of the Cuban uh, embargo and regulations. Uh, Expedia's foreign subsidiaries assisted more than 2,200 individuals with travel or travel-related services for uh, travel within Cuba or between Cuba and locations outside of the United States. OFAC faulted Expedia, the U.S. parent company, for failing to take necessary steps subsequent to its foreign company acquisitions to prevent and detect sanctions violations. Specifically, with respect to at least one foreign subsidiary, Expedia failed to inform the subsidiary until approximately 15 months after Expedia acquired the subsidiary that was subject to U.S. jurisdiction and law. Expedia was slow to integrate the subsidiary into the Expedia corporate family, including with respect to compliance with U.S. sanctions, and the subsidiary continued operating independently during the integration period. In publishing the, uh, in, in publishing the enforcement information, OFAC sent a clear message to all U.S. companies involved in M&A activity. 
And this again uh, reflects a warning from OFAC in the OFAC guidance where they included one of the primary common violations, common root cause violations, was the acquisition of companies by uh, foreign companies by a U.S.-based company and the failure to integrate or bring that, U that foreign company into compliance with U.S. regulations once it became a part of the U.S. company. U.S. companies, for example, can mitigate risk by conducting sanctions-related due diligence both prior and subsequent to mergers and acquisitions and taking appropriate steps, obviously, to audit, monitor, train, and verify newly acquired subsidiaries for OFAC compliance. U.S. foreign subsidiaries are subject to the, uh, to the uh, Cuban sanctions program, and U.S. person parent companies may face potential exposure to civil monetary penalties uh, by the actions of their foreign subsidiaries. So, like I said, foreign acquisitions can pose unique sanctions risks to which a U.S. person parent company should be alert at all stages of its relationship with the subsidiary. The moral of the story, obviously, is Expedia should have acted more expeditiously. Not a play on words there, but the Expedia enforcement action is most significant uh, as it marks the fourth time this year that OFAC has taken a hard stance with respect to sanctions compliance following a foreign company acquisition. Going back, and let me remind you, on February 7, 2019, OFAC announced a settlement with Cole Morgan, Corporation, a U.S.-based company, on behalf of its Turkish subsidiary, Elsom Electronic, which I'm not going to try to even uh, pronounce the entire name. The settlement concerned Elsom's apparent violations of the Iran regulations, uh, sanction regulations, by providing services in Iran and selling products with knowledge that they were destined for Iran after the acquisition by Cole Morgan, the U.S. company, uh, in, based uh, in Ohio. Cole Morgan discovered Elsom's Iranian, Iranian transactions during pre-acquisition due diligence and implemented a wide range of pre- and post-acquisition compliance measures designed to ensure Elsom complied with U.S. sanctions, including but not limited to ordering Elsom's senior management to immediately cease transactions with Iran, conducting a comprehensive customer review, applying controls to block Iran-related customer orders, circulating a cautionary memo, and providing in-person trade compliance training to Elsom employees, modifying terms and conditions of sale to prohibit Elsom's customers from reselling Elsom products to Iran, and setting up an ethics hotline for reporting violations. Cole Morgan even obtained quarterly certifications from Elsom's senior management confirming that no Elsom products or services were being sent to or provided to Iran. Nevertheless, in spite of Cole Morgan's extensive efforts to ensure Elsom complied with the uh, Iran regulations, Elsom sent employees to Iran to fulfill service agreements, and Elsom management directed employees to falsify corporate records to hide the violations. So here the subsidiary engaged an incredibly uh, uh, convoluted scheme here to circumvent the prohibitions coming from Cole Morgan so that they could continue to provide these services. Nonetheless, Cole Morgan was held responsible, even though it did almost everything in its power uh, to stop these transactions. Cole Morgan, remember, acquired control of Elsom in March 2013. 
The conduct commenced just four months uh, thereafter in July 2013. Uh, notwithstanding Cole Morgan's extensive preventative and remedial conduct, OFAC agreed to reduce the penalty, uh, but nonetheless imposed a penalty. Um, so again, the message to all U.S. companies involved in foreign company acquisitions OFAC made a specific statement, which I'm going to read here, which is this settlement highlights the importance of performing heightened due diligence when U.S. persons directly or indirectly acquire companies with pre-existing relationships with sanctioned persons and jurisdictions. It also identifies compliance measures the U.S. company took pre- and post-acquisition of a foreign company and specific remedial actions. Notably, in conjunction with the settlement, OFAC also designated the managing director of ELSIM, a Turkish national, who allegedly directed and tried to conceal the sanctions violations individually as a U.S. sanctions target under the Foreign Sanctions Evaders Program. Uh, so this marked the first time that OFAC had named an individual, as opposed to an entity, or an organization as a foreign sanctions evader in relation to a civil enforcement action. This also means that this person will be uh, impossible for U.S. persons to deal with. Uh, one week later, on February 14, 2019, OFAC announced a $5.5 million penalty assessment against Applichem, a German company that manufactures chemicals and reagents for the pharmaceutical and chemical industries for directly and indirectly selling chemical reagents to Cuban nationals. On January 1st, 2012, Illinois Tool, Illinois Tool Works, ITW, a U.S. company, acquired Applichem, a foreign company. ITW discovered the Cuban sales during pre-acquisition negotiations and warned Applichem that it would be required to cease all Cuban transactions after the acquisition. Within two weeks of the acquisition, the general manager of ITW's reagents division sent Applichem's foreign owners, who remained with ITW, a memo explaining their guidelines for complying with U.S. sanctions and specifically highlighting the Cuban-related sanctions. Notwithstanding these warnings, again, the foreign subsidiary, in this, uh, this case Applichem, continued to complete and collect on existing orders with Cuban nationals under pre-existing contracts. Upon discovering the continued transactions, ITW's European legal department sent a third warning to Applichem's former owners to cease all transactions in Cuba immediately. ITW learned through its ethics hotline that Applichem continued to make sales in Cuba through an intermediary in Berlin, despite Applichem specifically representing to ITW that it had ceased all Cuban sales. Last, on March 27, 2019, OFAC announced a $1.87 million settlement with Stanley Black & Decker, uh, Stanley, let's call him, resolving allegations that its recently acquired Chinese subsidiary, Jingsu Tools Company, GQ, uh, knowingly provided power tools and parts to Iranian end users via third-party intermediaries. In addition to the monetary penalty, Stanley agreed to adopt several compliance reforms. In May 2013, Stanley acquired 60% of GQ, and I don't mean gentlemen's quarterly, making it subject to the Iran regulations as a foreign entity owned or controlled by a U.S. company. 
As in the Applechem and Cole Morgan cases, Stanley learned of the Iranian sales before acquisition and even made ceasing such sales a prerequisite to closing. Following the acquisition, Stanley provided sanctions training and they executed agreements with GQ managers to not engage in transactions with Iran. Nevertheless, GQ continued to export goods to Iran. The sanctionable conduct occurred between June 29, 2013 and December 30, 2014, so over a year. Uh, uh, over a year, the transactions continued. The Stanley settlement makes clear that OFAC expects the immediate adoption and implementation of compliance controls when U.S. companies acquire foreign companies that transact business in sanctioned jurisdictions. So with four penalty actions in the first half of this year alone directed at U.S. companies that acquire ownership or control of foreign entities, OFAC's message is clear. OFAC expects sanctions-related pre-acquisition due diligence and prompt comprehensive action to assess, monitor, train, control, and verify newly acquired subsidiaries for OFAC compliance. Even in cases where the newly acquired company affirmatively misrepresents compliance and falsifies records to hide noncompliance, companies face significant penalties for violations. Through these enforcement actions, OFAC also has identified specific compliance and control measures that U.S. companies should take in connection with these acquisitions. Companies have to review, you have to review your policies and procedures and make sure if you run into these situations that you are aggressively making, uh, ensuring compliance. Uh, I get, a, I run into this situation often and uh, it's really imperative to make sure that not only does the foreign subsidiary understand, but you have to go in and then verify through an audit, almost like a post-acquisition audit in the FCPA context that the company is uh, in compliance through an looking at trade records, looking at transaction records, and financial records as well. Well, that's it for today, and uh, we'll be back next week with another topic on corruption, crime, and compliance. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment in this area at www.volkofflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can always contact me at my email address, mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve your goals.